So today we are talking about forgetting what is behind and pressing forward to what is ahead. Now, uh, you can't necessarily interact with me fully here because I can't hear you. I can't get the amens. But maybe if you're loud enough, I can. So let's try this. God is good. Amen. No, no, no. Well, it was... Tammy, you're eager. I appreciate it. I should have scripted that better. I think we're supposed to say all the time, and then, and then I say all the time, God is good. But God is good. Amen. Uh, let's try this again. So if you're at home, so this is how it goes, right? So old school Pentecostal stuff. God is good all the time, and then uh, I say all the time, and you say God is good. Okay, so let's try this again. God is good? All the time. All the time. That's right. So you could probably, uh, oh, see, Mary Lou, thank you so much. I'm glad you got this. Dan, you got this. Excellent. Uh, Tammy was slightly off script, but that was kind of my fault. I set it up poorly. So, okay, so we're practicing our interaction a little bit here. And so in the comment section, what I'd love you to do is give me a heads up. Let me know in the comment section what was your most challenging part about 2020. It can be really quick. It can be like the food was terrible or uh, my, I'm tired of my roommate. If you're sitting beside your roommate and it's your spouse, maybe don't put that in the comment section. Um, but here's the deal. So write in the comment section, what were some of your challenges that you faced in 2020? And we are going to remember that those things this morning are actually behind us uh, and remembering that things have happened behind us is actually crucial to our ability to move forward. So I want to tell you the story this morning. My daughter has started driving. Uh, she hasn't driven with me yet uh, unless it's been in the forest where I've given her the keys to the truck and said, okay, just drive down the roads. What if I hit a tree? Hit a tree, it's fine. What if I get in the water? Get in the water, it's fine. What if I go off the trail? Go off the trail, it's fine. It's in the forest. This is where we learn. Um, but she hasn't driven with me on the street yet. Probably good for her. She has been with Maria, and, uh, and it has so far been a good experience, and I don't think anything has been hit yet. Um, but I'm looking back at my daughter driving, and I am reminded of all the things that I went through when I was learning to drive uh, at a young age. I remember when <laughs> my whole riding career, driving career, started um, with challenges. I remember I was 16. I had just turned 16. And uh, I went to the school, and I pretended to be my dad calling into the school so I could have permission to go and do my driver's test so I can get my license. And then the principal was pretty wise, and he also saw me calling on the school payphone pretending to be my dad. Uh, and so he called me into the office, and I thought I was getting into the office to get the thumbs up to go do my driving test. Rather, I got suspended for three days because I was lying to the principal, and my dad was not too stoked about that. So that was the start of my driving career. Uh, and then following that were many, 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 many speeding tickets, uh, many stunting tickets, many excessive speeding tickets. And by the time I was 18 years old, I had already gone through three court-ordered driver rehabilitation programs uh, that were pretty serious because I had a very challenging, to say the least, driving history. And so you can imagine that as a young man, um, getting very accustomed to seeing the cherries and blueberries rolling up behind him on the highway or on the city streets, uh, I became quite afraid of uh, seeing a police car. I, th I always thought I they were out to get me. Um, anytime I saw them, I was sick to my stomach, and that continued on for quite some time. And I had gone through this process of being rehabilitated. I had gone through the process of having to learn what I had done wrong, even though I didn't 
think what I was doing was wrong. I had to learn that what I was doing was probably not okay for my safety and other people's safety. And it took me a long time to learn that. But once I had learned it, I was still trapped in this thought of being afraid continuously that if I get pulled over, I'm going to lose my license again. I'm going to be in trouble again. I'm going to have to go to court again. I'm going to have to deal with the police again. I'm going to have to pay so many fines again. And I spent a lot of years, a lot of years, being very sick to my stomach of the thought that my past is going to catch up to me. But what I hadn't gotten over is the fact that my past was already behind me. It had already been paid for, truly. Like I had paid a lot of money for my offenses. I had done what needed to be done. I'd served my time, is probably the best way to put it. And I was actually not the person that I used to be. I had a care on the road. I, I had responsibility because I was driving teenagers around. And, and I had responsibility because I was driving company vehicles around. And, and I made a choice to be different moving forward because I recognized who I used to be was not healthy or beneficial or uh, really much of a contribu contribution to society. And so I had to make changes. But it took a long time for me to realize that those changes were actually there. They actually had taken effect. And I didn't need to be afraid of my past anymore. It took me a long time to realize that my past was no longer counted against me. And I could actually move forward in freedom and in confidence and in peace. Now, 2020 is one of those years that everything that seemed to possibly be able to go wrong had kind of gone wrong. It's been nuts. It's been weird. It's all sorts of strange unrest throughout the world. All sorts of a mess had gone on. You know, I, we probably spent more time in our homes with our loved ones than we ever thought was possible, and maybe that was strenuous. We had people going stir-crazy, governments going sideways, all sorts of strange things that just don't make sense had gone on. We had a virus that started running out through the whole rest of the world, and, and a lot of people, good-meaning people, just unsure of what to do, and so the reactions become so significant. And it leaves us feeling sort of uneasy, unsure. But I want you to remember this morning that the past is behind us and we can make a decision today to move forward differently. You got the right amen this time, Tammy. Good job. So the title of this morning's service is Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight actually means that you look back at a situation. It has passed. It's happened already. It can't be changed. It is gone. It's actually behind. 2020 refers to perfect vision. The saying hindsight is 2020 means that you can look back and really get a grasp of the different ways situations could have been handled. And I'm sure anybody who's watching with us this morning, if you're watching with us online today, you've probably realized over your years that when you look back at your situations and circumstances, you've had moments where you realize, hmm, I probably could have handled that better. 
If you've been married for a while, I'm sure you've got many marital moments. And I'm, maybe you're chuckling to yourself right now. You're thinking, oh boy, I hope she doesn't see me laughing right now. Uh, you've got these moments where you realize, I could have done things better. I could have handled that better. If you've raised kids and you've had those blow-up fights, and, and after your pride subsides and your attitude chills out a little bit, maybe it's a couple weeks later, you look back and realize, hmm, I probably could have handled myself better. Well, hindsight is 2020. When you look back, you realize there are better ways to have done this. I can see clearly. But today, we want to look at the fact that 2020 is behind us. And we get opportunity to move forward. It's a new year, and we can look back and realize that it is behind us. It's happened already. It can't be changed. It's gone. And I like that because it gives us permission to stand on the solid ground of this moment, knowing that what happened last week, last month, last year is done. It can't be changed. But what can be adjusted is how we choose to move forward and how we choose to respond to people, how we choose to interact with the world around us. What I find really exciting is that we can look at this thing here, the Bible, and we can dig into it and find wisdom in there that applies to our circumstances today. That's the cool thing that sets this book apart from all the other books that are out there. It is actually alive and applicable in our moments. Even though it is historical, it applies to today. Even though it's historical, it is actually prophetic and speaks to the future. It's amazing. So if you haven't really been interested in this thing before, I would encourage you to pick up a Bible and start doing some reading because there is much to be considered in there. What I like is the fact that we can look to the Word of God and dig into it and realize that in the gospel, in the good news, we see that Christ is with us. Not only was his life given for us. But he defeated death in the grave and gave us his Holy Spirit to minister to us, to be with us, to come alongside of us, to keep us in line, to keep us on the right path. We have hope because of the work of Christ. We have hope for this moment. We have hope for today. We have hope for tomorrow and all of the days ahead. And we can look to God's good word and stand on the firm foundation of not just a truth, but the truth. It is the truth. And I'm convinced more and more and more as time goes on, and I cannot be swayed in this whatsoever, I am more convinced every moment of every day that this book is powerful. And it's powerful because it is God's word breathed into the pages. And it is wildly applicable to our circumstances and situations. And in fact, it is so chock full of good news it's why we call it the good word, and we have cause to give praise to God for that. And what I love is the fact that when we look into the word of God, we can see that God has not neglected to recognize our circumstances, 
And in fact, I love, the, I love the fact that God has incorporated all sorts of men and women into this book that have screwed up pasts and, and messed up situations and are far from the perfect churchgoers that we would consider them to be. And God brings these stories together of men and women who were broken, who were lost, but have been found and restored and redeemed because of the mighty work of God. And that helps us remember that regardless of our circumstances and situations, we can be restored and redeemed because of God. Now, I want you to remember this. We are not restored and redeemed without him. We can't just walk around on the street and say, I'm restored and I'm redeemed and not have any noticeable changes in our lives. In fact, to signify a change, there actually has to be a change. We can't just word it differently like a clever marketing scheme. We have to walk and live in the change that God has given our lives. But it's our choice at that moment to move forward in that. He has given the way for us to have a different future. But are we choosing to walk in that today? I love the fact that God has never neglected to recognize our circumstances. And I love the fact that God's in it for the long game. It's not necessarily all about the short-term circumstances with him. And in fact, we might think that our short-term circumstances are challenging. And we wonder often, where is God in the midst of what has happened at work today? But what I love about God is that he cares more about our eternity than he does about our moment-by-moment circumstance. And even in that, he still cares about our moment-by-moment circumstance. But he allows us to go through challenges so that we can see his greatness. Because at the end of the day, it's not about us being elevated. It's about his name being declared and celebrated. And he walks us through a journey of seeing that and recognizing it very deeply so that we are humbled and able to go out into the world and humbly proclaim his name. So as you're getting prepared this morning, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians, or sorry, Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to dig into this here in just a second. So here we see Paul is reaching out in a letter to the church at Philippi. So we wonder, okay, where is Philippi? We, we say these names in the Bible like Corinth and Philippi and Antioch and all these. Where are these places? How do they even apply to today? Well, okay, cool thing is that Philippi is actually in Kavala and it's in Greece. Today, that is where Philippi is. So the name has changed just like, I don't know, maybe your hometown neighborhood's name has changed. I'm not sure. But the name has changed throughout history and that's fine. But Philippi, the actual Philippi that we're talking about and the people who live there, the Philippians to whom Paul is writing, a letter to, that is actually in Greece right now. And if you wanted to, after restrictions lift, of course, you can fly over to Greece, travel up to Kavela, and hang out and see where this ministry occurred in this burgeoning church. It's fascinating stuff, and that is there in this moment. Uh, side note, that's why I'm really excited when restrictions lift for the church to be able to go to Israel and walk on the ground and see the stones and the structures and the buildings and the tombs and the life that happened when Jesus was on the earth. It's important to have that understanding that these places are real, not fictional. So Philippi is not a weird fictional city that we hear about in the Bible. It is a real city that exists today in Greece. 
It's actually not too far from Athens. And, and the message of Jesus spread from Israel up through Syria, then through Turkey, which, which is actually called Asia Minor. So when we see in the Bible and it talks about Asia, it's not talking about Asia like what we would consider Asia today. They called Asia, um, it was called Turkey nowadays, right? So we see the word of God spreading up through Syria over to Turkey, so through Asia Minor, and then up into Greece. And then since Christianity was and is rooted in Jewish faith, we need to understand that there was a heavy influence of doing things to prove out your worth before God. And we would call these things ordinations. Catholics would refer to them as sacraments. The Jews would see them as rites or rituals that are holy and sacred. In fact, one of these ordinances that we walk through regularly, monthly in our church, sometimes weekly in other churches, is communion. The observation of that ordinance is built in to recognize what Christ has done, to keep the memory fresh in our minds of what has been accomplished. And so there was a lot of stuff that was going on in the world at that time. We see this growing new faith of Christianity. We see Jews that are being converted to Christianity. They're recognizing that Christ is the Messiah. We see non-Jews or Gentiles turning from their different religious backgrounds, recognizing that Christ is the one. He is our Savior. We need Jesus. And all these things are happening at the time. And there's so much going on in this interesting religious land. It wasn't void of religion, but rather full of many religions that were suddenly filled with people seeing that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the one. But since Christianity was rooted originally in Judaism, you see a following of Jews that are pursuing Christ, but then also saying, yes, you can know Jesus, but to really seal the deal, you have to be circumcised, and you have to follow through with these different procedures, which actually flew in the face of the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, it was finished. That was it. That was the final act, and that was so crucial to remember. So it wasn't about doing these extra things to get you close to Jesus, it's remembering that Jesus already did all the things. You can write that in the comment section. Jesus already did all the things. And so Paul is writing to this group of new Christians. And he's saying, I want you guys to pause for a moment and remember that it was already all finished. It was already all accomplished. And you have to watch out because there are others that are going to come alongside and say, yeah, it's good to know Jesus. But you got to do this, 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 and this. Otherwise, you're just never going to get it right. Otherwise, your past will never be fully atoned for. Otherwise, if you don't do these procedures and these rituals perfectly, day in and day out, your salvation might be in question. And Paul was going out on a limb and saying, guys, there is so much more to this faith thing than the rites and rituals that you practice to try to make you closer to Jesus. See, Paul heard about this. And he wrote a letter to them giving warning and correction to the teaching and even made some funny remarks in the midst of it to make his point. Uh, Paul was famously known for saying, well, if circumcision gets you closer to Jesus, why don't you cut the whole thing off and it'll make you next to God? If you don't think the Bible talks like that, you should read your Bible. It's actually full of some good stuff. 
But Paul also teaches something here that's very crucial to remember. We are fully saved through the work of Jesus, not through the work of us. He establishes that. Our goal and our call and our focus is first upward to God and then outward to the world. And finally, we are able to accomplish these things only because of Christ's finished work, which defeated death and sin. That is crucial to remember. And I know I'm making a long point of this before we read the passage, but I want you to remember today that your future is different And your future can be different from this moment forward if you choose today to lay it all down at the foot of the cross of Jesus. Your future can be different if you choose today to lay it all down. It's not about what you are going to accomplish tomorrow that is going to get you a better spot in heaven. It's about what Christ accomplished for you 2,000 years ago on the cross. That's what did it. And it's out of that that your life begins to change. He also establishes that you and I have the fingerprint of God on our souls. And we ought to live that way in the moment, but also as we look ahead. But we also need to remember that the past has passed. And we don't live in that anymore. 2020 has passed. And all that's gone on with that, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, that is behind. And today we can press forward. So, let's read. I'm reading this morning from actually the Berean Study Bible. And if you're interested, the parallel passage to this is in Romans chapter 3, 21 to 31. So you can just jot that in your notes. Or if you have your Bible open to Philippians chapter 3, in the side section, you can just write down Romans 3, 21 to 31. And then later you can go and take a peek at that and see how they actually parallel each other, which is pretty neat. What I love about that parallel is the fact that there is more to the Bible than just words on a page. It is wildly interconnected. And it's interconnected for your faith in this moment to help you grow in that, which is just wild stuff. So let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3. Righteousness through faith in Christ. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those workers of evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself could have such confidence. He's saying, oh, I wish that I could be that confident. He's writing this letter, and he's even saying, I wish that I could be that confident. But it's something that he's choosing to live in every single day. Let's carry on here. It says, if anyone else thinks that he has the grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, that's what I was, and of the people of Israel, that's who I was. Of the tribe of Benjamin, that was me. A Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecuting the church, as to righteousness in the law, faultless. I am A plus number one. I have got it together. Nobody else can boast before I do. 
But he says this, but whatever was gained to me, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord for whom I have lost all things. I consider them trash, rubbish, garbage, filth, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness from God is on the basis of faith. He's saying, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I've had it all. I've done it all. I am the guy. It counts for nothing. Trust me, I've been there. It brings nothing to your eternal life. What does bring to your eternal life is the fact that Jesus gave it to you through his death on the cross. He defeated death in the grave so you can live. Everything else is garbage. 2020 was garbage. It was. It was a giant dumpster fire. But there is so much more to look forward to than what's gone on in our past. Because who we once were, who we anchored to, what we thought was the be-all and end-all, doesn't matter. We get to count it all as loss in comparison to knowing Jesus. So he goes on to say this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying, I want more than what this life has to offer. I want more than what I thought my life was based around. And I found it in Jesus. And I love this. He goes on to say this, and it's titled in your Bibles probably, it says, Pressing On Toward the Goal. And it says this, Not that I've already attained, obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect, but I do press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Wow. I, I love the humility there. I haven't figured it out, he says. Not that I've figured it all out, because trust me, I haven't. But I'm endeavoring to move forward beyond who I used to be. I, endeavor, I am endeavoring to move forward beyond what I used to define myself as. I'm endeavoring to move forward into a territory that is different than I ever thought possible, but I know there's life there. And I don't want to be hung up by the stuff in my past anymore. I want to move forward in freedom from Christ Jesus. He says, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken, of hold, taken a hold of it. But one thing I do is this. I'm choosing daily to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. There is a goal ahead. And in order to get to the goal that's ahead, you got to put the past behind you. If you keep living in the past, you will never move forward to what is ahead of you. It is impossible to even finish the race if you choose to stay in the past. It is impossible to run ahead. It is impossible to put things off. It is impossible to run through the finish line well if you choose to stay at the starting line. For many of you, 2020 has brought out some questions. What is life about? 
What is this faith thing? I've heard some people talk about Jesus. I'm not really sure what I think about Jesus. I want to tell you now that unless you get off that starting line, you will never know what it looks like to go through that finish line. And today you can choose to respond to that starting pistol and start running forward. You can choose to move in a direction where you get to finish well. And I like this. All of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. Nevertheless, we must live up to what we have already attained. Christians who have been Christians for a while, this is who Paul's talking to. All of us who are mature, if you're mature, you should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. I'll tell you a bit of a secret. Protesting isn't the way to do it. Making angry posts on Facebook is an immature way to proclaim what you think the world should be doing. In fact, it actually shows a little bit of weakness. Because what comes from maturity is knowing that how you walk through your life daily, how you actually walk through your life daily in real life, not protected behind a screen or behind a keyboard or behind a protesting sign or wearing a mask, that is not what defines you. What defines you is your response of humility before God. And I love this. And it says, if you think differently about an issue, God will reveal this to you as well. Are you God or playing God in someone's life where you want to reveal all the issues all the time? Or is it time to put the past behind you and press on towards the goal that is heavenward in Christ Jesus? So it goes on to say this. There's implications here. Because our citizenship isn't in this world. Even though we live in Castlegar or Tanzania or Cambodia or perhaps in Greece, or maybe we are tuning in from overseas in Pakistan, or maybe in India. Regardless of where you are tuning in from this morning, that might be where your body is, but your citizenship is far greater than that. See, not to blow your mind a little bit this morning, but this is hardware. We all have software. What's fascinating is that our software, even though we think it resides in this weird hardware, it's actually very separate. It's almost unquantifiable. It's fascinating. You can take a memory stick and load it up with two terabytes of software, and the weight doesn't change. The hardware doesn't change. But there's something different in that software, and that software can be put somewhere else, and it can be put somewhere else. And, and not to get super strange on you here this morning, but I want you to recognize that you are far more than this physical body. Your citizenship is far grander than what the, where, where you actually live and reside in this moment. Now, some of you, probably because pot was legalized, are like, man, this is trippy. I don't even, this, I, oh man, and you're going to talk about this, and it's exciting for the rest of you who are, you know, not really tripping out on this, and you're like, mm, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. I want you to recognize that the Bible talks more about our spiritual state than it does our physical state, and, and there's implications to that. We are far more 
than where our physical bodies reside. We are far more than where we lay our head at night. And if that's the case, if that's the case, we need to start opening up our eyes a little bit and adjust how we live. So it says this, join one another in following my example, brothers, and carefully observe those who walk according to the pattern that we set for you. That's right. There's actually an order and actually a structure in the way that we ought to move forward in. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. <coughs> their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. The stuff that passes away. The stuff that's constantly changing. The stuff that so easily succumbs to chaos and mess. The things that moths and rust destroy. The stuff that mice get into. Is that really where we are setting our hopes on? Or is there much more to life than that? It says this, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await our Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself, will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Your future is not an earthly destination. We do a lot to try to hang on to our earthly things. We sacrifice so much. We surrender so much. We compromise so much just to take a hold of these earthly things that we feel give us worth and value. I went and visited one of our seniors just a little while ago. And, and she is so, so dear to my heart. Her husband, before he passed, was also very dear to my heart. And she said something very interesting as we were kind of packing up some stuff and fixing a couple things around the house. She said, you know, I have concerns. I said, well, what are your concerns? She said, I have concerns that so many believers believe the lie that this is it. Where is our hope in our eternity? Don't we recognize that we truly come alive after this life? And, and she was really hitting that home, you know, with the fear of death. And, and she's quite an older senior herself. And, and so she is not far from that stage of life. And here she is sharing her concern that our hope seems to be so deeply rooted in the here and the now and totally forgetting the life that is to come. There is infinitely more beyond this than just this moment. Yet we sacrifice and give up so much just to try to have it all figured out here and now. But today, you have an opportunity to put that behind you. 
when we look at this, we need to look at a few things. If you've got your notepads, you can just jot these things down, okay? Five points. Number one, you were a sinner, but now you are forgiven. You were a sinner, but now you are forgiven. Number two, you were cursed, but now you are blessed. Number three, you were unrepentant and unruly, but now you're redeemed. Number four, you were enslaved to your flesh, but now your spirit is set free by the power of Christ Jesus. Number five, you were lost, but now you are found. You were lost, but now you are found. A lot has happened in this past year And a lot of what has gone on can affect us and actually bring us to ruin if we keep living in it. But there is opportunity here. There's actually opportunity right now to make a course change. There is opportunity right now to look ahead. There's opportunity right now to have hope. And that hope is far beyond our earthly circumstances. That hope is far beyond what the stock market has done. That hope is far beyond who sits in power over any government. That hope is far beyond what sicknesses or diseases or illnesses tend to affect us in this life. That hope is far beyond a medical cure. That hope is far beyond scientific research. That hope is far beyond finally giving a definition to how old the earth actually is. That hope is far beyond what is in your cupboard to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning. That hope is far beyond the vehicle that you drive and the company that you keep. That hope is in Jesus. And Jesus has already been ahead of us. So we get to follow him and place our hope in him. Worship team, I'm going to get you guys to go and get ready. We are going to close in worship this morning. But if you're tuning in today, or you're tuning in later today, or you happen to see this in a few weeks from now, I want you to think about this. You were a sinner, but now you are forgiven. You were cursed, but now you are blessed. You were unrepentant and unruly, but now you are redeemed. You were enslaved to your flesh, but now your spirit is set free by the power of Christ. You were lost, but now you are found. God bless you this morning. Please close with us, worshiping the Lord.
And I want you to remember and take this with you that your tomorrow is brighter than today. God bless you.